trusting the Lord matters what he says to you for your life, your destiny, your purpose, your family. And you have to go beyond what others think. What others think does not matter anymore. I've had to learn this. I pray that after today, you find the courage to overcome what others think. Because when you overcome what others think, you are now at the point where you can trust God. Trust in God requires surrender. It's the next thing it requires. Trusting God's word has nothing to do with your opinion or agreement with his word. There's a lot of things in his world that this word in his word that this world doesn't agree with. But do you trust that God spoke it? Do we align with what heaven says for our lives, whether we agree with it or not? Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes heaven speaks things to you for your family to change in a job situation or do this or that that goes beyond your opinion. But do you trust him enough to do it? When you surrender your opinion about any matter and you trust what God's word says about the matter, now God has something to work with for the very first time in your life. When you begin to align your opinion with God's word. Hebrews 4.12 talks about God's word being a two-edged sword, a double-edged sword. And I've shared with some of you this before. That double-edged sword means twice spoken. Twice spoken. What does that mean? It was spoken once in God's word. That's one edge of the sword. And then you speak it and believe it out of your mouth. That's the double-edged sword that now has the power to cut between soul and marrow. Now God has something to work with when we begin to agree with God's word, whether we agree with it or not, we agree with his word and we begin to trust him. Requires surrender. Truly trusting God requires surrendering. Let's start with this, surrendering what you think about God's word. Trust. Like Peter, I became offended when the Lord asked me if I trust him. Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. I love you more than that guy over there. I just jumped out of the boat. I just swam a hundred yards. We start to tell God all the things we've done in the past. And it's like, no, 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 no. Do you trust me right now? It's about now. Do you trust me with your future? Of course I trust you. Of course. Truly trusting God requires surrender. Surrender what your idea of trust actually means. Surrender putting your trust in anything else. Surrender your ways. Surrender your thoughts. For Isaiah 50, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says that his thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. We have all kinds of thoughts that go through our heads, don't we? Man, I am so glad you ever see in football or basketball, they mic up the quarterback or you, you know what I'm talking about? And they have like 10 minutes where they show like, the behind the scenes of what people are actually saying. And it's hilarious. I am so glad you can't put a mic in my head. So glad. But you know what I've learned? God has a mic in my head. So no matter how many times I tell him I trust him, he's like, really? Because that thought you just had was wacky. That thought you just had that was a trust, dude. <laughs> Help us, Lord. 
Everyone say trust. trust. The best way to understand eternity is trust. It's a strange concept. The best way to understand end times in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel and all the prophecies and is what? Trust. The best way to understand women. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had to throw that in there. The best way to understand anything is to trust. Trust in God. The next point, number three, if you want. Trusting God requires going beyond what others think. Trusting the Lord goes beyond what others think, beyond what others say. People will never understand when the Lord tells you to do something. He's talking to you, not them. How could they understand? They're not in your shoes. They're not raising your kids. They're not married to your wife. They weren't given the future God ordained for you since your mother's womb. Trusting the Lord matters what he says to you for your life, your destiny, your purpose, your family. And you have to go beyond what others think. What others think does not matter anymore. I've had to learn this. I pray that after today, you find the courage to overcome what others think. Because when you overcome what others think, you are now at the point where you can trust God. If you have an ounce, one ounce, just one little bit of trust in men, you have already failed. If you have one ounce of trust in a human being or a president or any politician or a boss or a job, if you trust anything or anyone other than the Lord, you are already failing because they're going to fail you. At some point, they're going to fail you. Trusting God requires going beyond what others think. I pray that after today, you can go beyond what others think. You can truly trust God. If you're wondering what people think, what, what opinions you're asking, just ask heaven for its opinion. There's no other opinion matters. I'm talking about a freedom from comparison, a freedom from caring what others think and how that just weighs us down and ties us down and binds us down and chains us down. We care so much what others think. Look back at this verse with Peter. He's on the shore with Jesus. Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And that reminded me of God saying to me, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? And then I remembered another verse and it sucked. Sometimes you read a verse and you're like, ah, stop. You just kicked my butt a second ago. I can't read this anymore. John 20, verse 20. Peter turned right after Jesus said, do you love me? Go feed my sheep. Do you love me? Go feed my sheep. Do you love me? Go feed my lambs. Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is funny because the disciple whom Jesus loved was John and John wrote this book. So that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. But John always calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved, which is hilarious to me. Number one is hilarious because it's kind of prideful. Number two, it's awesome because he knew he was loved by God and we all need to know that we're loved by God. So John's writing and he's like, Peter turned to me, the disciple that Jesus loves. <laughs> this was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, 
right there around the fire having fish tacos. When Peter saw him, check this out. When Peter saw him, who's him? The disciple that Jesus loved. He looked over and he said, Lord, what about him? What about that guy? What about him? Man, this is where trusting God begins to get a little hard. When you see others experiencing the blessing, when you see others experiencing provision, and maybe you're not, when you see others, families and children serving God, but you want to bust your kid up the head every 10 seconds, you start to compare, what, what did I do wrong? Why do I get all the storms? Why do I get all the circumstances? Nothing ever goes my way. What about him? I was the one, you know what he was saying? Peter was saying, Jesus, what's up with that guy that always says that he is loved by you? Because I was the one that jumped out of the boat. I was the one that swam a hundred yards. I was the first to get here and get at your feet at this beach for some fish tacos. You know what Jesus responds? He responds with freedom from comparison. What about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return from heaven, here's the freeing words. What does it matter to you? You cannot trust God if you are so worried about everyone else. Well, what are they hearing from God? Well, what does God want them to do? Who cares? What does that have to do with you? I found myself in this trap. I heard from God and I made a decision and I resigned my position and then everyone's turning against me for a second and like, what is wrong with you? You're losing your mind. And I'm like, what about that guy? What about this guy? What about, and God's like, what does it have to do with you? I told you what to do. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Stop looking around you. Church, stop looking around you. Stop looking at other people. Stop looking at how God's blessing them. Stop looking at what God's saying to them. Stop looking at how they're living. Does not matter. Stop scrolling through CNN. Stop scrolling through Fox News. Stop worrying about everything around you and start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit because he wants to speak to you. He has something to share with you. He has direction for you. He has guidance for you. He has counsel for you. He has encouragement for you. He has a word for you. He has something for you, church. And if you can't listen because you're comparing, you're gonna miss out on what heaven's saying. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. We'll fire through a couple of these quickly. Trusting God requires humility. Trusting God requires humility. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to elders. Yes, all of you be submitted to one another and be clothed in what? Humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due timing. Important part, casting all your cares upon him for he cares about you. Casting your worries and your anxieties and your cares on Jesus, trusting him is what that's saying, starts with what? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's only through humility 
that you can cast your cares upon Jesus. Trusting God is 100% about humbling yourself. Trusting God is 100% about humbling yourself. The less of you there is in the matter, then the more he can do. Say that again. The less of you, the more he can do. The next point, trusting God requires remembering what he has already done. Remembering what he has already done. I'll say it again. Remembering what he has already done. The Lord tells me to do anything. It's easy to do if I'm remembering his faithfulness and his goodness of the past. If I remember, hey, God told me to do something crazy back then and he was with me every step of the way, so I might as well trust him this time because he's gonna be faithful to do what he did last time. It's easy to trust God when you remember what he already did. The power of your testimony. It's easy to trust God when you're thinking about the cross. Because we believe in a resurrected Savior, a man who came back from the dead, who was born of a virgin. None of that makes sense. So you be, you're telling me you believe that God sent his son born of a virgin and that he lived and then was crucified, the most horrible, painful death, and that he died and rose again and now is seated at the right hand of the Father, but you don't trust him to pay your electric bill? You don't trust him that your child will return to the house of the Lord and will be saved and redeemed and set free? You don't trust him that he can't restore your marriage? You worry about, oh, ye of little faith, is what Jesus said. What are you doing? We believe in the powerful resurrection power of Christ, but we so easily forget that that same power lives inside of you. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me. Trusting God requires remembering what he has already done. That's why in Joshua chapter four, there were these things called the stones of remembrance. And after they passed through the waters of the Jordan into the promised land, I'll paraphrase it for a second, they carried massive stones and they created a memorial and an altar. And why? So that, Moses said, so that they would remember what the Lord had done. Because God knew they're going to face giants. They're going to face problems. They're going to face a wall that looks like it can't come down. But when I tell you to walk around the wall and I tell you to do something crazy like blow a trumpet on the seventh day, look back a couple feet at what I just did and the stones of remembrance and know and believe I will do it again for you. Trusting God becomes easy when you remember what he's already done. He did it then, he will do it now. He did it for them so he can do it for me. He did that so I know without a shadow of a doubt, he will do this. <laughs> Just like King David 
carried a shepherd's staff, a really cool historical fact about the shepherd's staff. The shepherd's staff, they would carve into the shepherd's staff memorials and things that they had accomplished and things that they had done along their journey. Their staff was like a journal. Their staff, they would carve into the staff images and pictures of what God had done. So when God tells a 16-year-old boy to go and face the giant because no one else had faith, no one else had trust, no one else had the audacity to stand in front of a nine foot tall man. No one else wanted to do it. Guys, think about that. There were thousands of men on the hill and God was speaking, but no one was listening. So the shepherd boy, the Bible says with his staff in his hand, grabs five smooth stones in his sling. You know, what's powerful about that. We can't miss this with his staff in his hand. And what was on the staff carvings of the lion carvings of the bear, carvings of the past victories so that when he faced the next obstacle, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, God did it then, he will do it now. God just did it, so he'll do it again. We're going to get in his presence. The last point today, trusting God requires his presence. Trusting God requires his presence. Look at Genesis 39. Verse 1, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had been taken down there. Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house. The circumstance against Joseph, like, let's be real. There is nothing more humiliating. There is nothing worse on humanity than what slavery has created for all of history. Since the beginning of time, Joseph is at the bottom of his pit of life. He is a slave. And look at what this verse says in verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. What? The worst thing that can happen to you as a human being is to be enslaved. The worst, like, there's nothing worse. Dying would be better. Let's be real. He is a slave. His brothers, his own 10 brothers threw him in a pit and abandoned him. You want to talk about rejection issues? You don't have rejection issues. Your 10 brothers did not throw you in a pit. Your 10 brothers did not sell you into slavery and trafficking. Yet verse 2, it says he's successful. He's successful. I don't care what your current circumstance looks like. I don't care what your life currently looks like. I don't care what you're facing. If the Lord and his presence are with you, you are successful. Because it's in his presence that we experience the fullness of joy. It's in his presence that we experience his goodness. It's in his presence that we experience his favor. It's in his presence that we experience his mercy. It's in his presence that we experience all that he has we have. It's in his presence that we experience victory. Come on, stand to your feet. It's in his presence that we experience his goodness. It's in his presence that we experience miracles. It's in his presence that we experience his power. It's in his presence that we experience heaven on earth. It's in his presence that we experience the full power of the blood of Jesus. It's in his presence that every knee shall bow. It's in his presence that every tongue confesses. It's in his presence.
You can't trust God without his presence. I want to ask every person, if you want to begin trusting him, maybe for the first time, that word all, maybe you've mostly trusted him, maybe you've partially trusted him, just lift both hands towards heaven. I need to trust you more, God. I need to lay down. I need to, I need to be humble. I need to surrender. I need your presence. I need daily encounters with you. God, I just pray over every hand that's lifted right now that this would not just be another Sunday where we hear another message, but that this would be a Sunday where we make a decision to take what we're experiencing here today into Monday. And on Tuesday, we experience you. And on Wednesday, we experience your presence. And on Thursday, we experience your presence. And on Friday, we experience your presence. And on Saturday, we experience your presence. And then we come back here on Sunday. And together, this house, God, I just pray that we would experience your presence right now this morning. Come on, every hand lifted. I just declare that we would experience your presence. I just declare we would experience your presence. That was fun. That was deep. There's more to come. We're going to get into many more topics and things and lessons that I've learned in life that I believe are going to encourage you towards encountering Jesus daily. So subscribe, share this with someone. If you believe they need to hear it, just share it with someone, text it to them, send them the link. Also, if you like the content and what you're hearing and you want to hear more, please pray about partnering with me and paying it forward and donating towards this podcast and the books that God's placed in our heart to write. So much more is forthcoming and I cannot wait to share it with you. Stay connected and stay updated and you can donate if you want, but you don't have to by going to brandongerlay.com or notjustsaved.com. Let's change together. God is good. God is for you. He is not against you. And he gave us the power to overcome. He gave us the power to change. So let's go beyond the altar and let's get altered.